You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, uh, for the gift and the blessing of this day, we give you thanks. This opportunity to gather together. Uh, what a tremendous gift and a blessing that it is. Uh, thank you for your servants, Cameron and Charlotte, for rooted ministry uh, and for the ways in which you place these calls upon our lives and you um, you prepare the harvest so be in the midst of us as we are gathered now directing God them always in their ministry enable us all to partner with you and with one another in your service I pray in Christ's name amen, amen. all right well again welcome um, we have uh, one of our local celebrities with us uh, today Cameron Cole um, you might have Seen him, he was featured tremendously at the nine o'clock service. Uh, and so, Everybody wants to be featured as the stewardship speaker. We're, we're continuing. Yeah. We're continuing the theme um, at this time. But uh, Cameron, I'm going to start off with kind of some investigative journalism, some tough um, questions. Tell me about how Rooted got started. Okay, yeah. So if you if you're not familiar with Rooted, it's a it's a ministry that was started out of the Advent 2010, and it's basically functions like a a trade organization for youth pastors and parents uh, to, to promote and equip and educate people in gospel-centered ministry. And so the, um, the story of how I got started, I like to tell the honest story mm -hmm. because nice. um, this, the, it, it gives more glory to God um, because we really didn't start out with any kind of aspiration. Frank Limehouse, Back in 2010, he'd read Michael Horton's book, Crisis Christianity, which is about the absence of the message of Christ and the message of the gospel in the American church. And he said that he felt like the place in his life where he had seen the greatest absence of the gospel, where he'd just seen moralism, was in youth ministry. And so Frank said, thought <clears throat> that we, um, in fact, he told a story about how when he was a youth pastor, I'm sorry, when he was a senior pastor, uh, somewhere in South Carolina, I don't know which stop it was, but he had a youth pastor, and they've done it. They built a youth room, and they uh, they told the youth pastor, "That's your space. You can decorate it however you want. Do whatever you want with that room, you know." And he came in when it was finished, and the youth pastor had had painted on the wall uh, something from Revelation three: "You're neither hot nor cold. If you're lukewarm, I will spit you out." In big letters across the wall, and uh, Frank said, "The you know, room of blue sea." Yeah, that's right. There you go. So Frank said, "You know, you can do anything you want, but you can't do that." So he had it repainted. Had, had it painted over. And he says, "We're going we're to do uh, Romans eight one. There's now, there's now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ." And so Frank said, "You know, let's uh, let's have a conference." about the gospel and youth ministry and nothing else. He's like, and we're going to get Michael Horton to come. And he, Michael Horton did not come. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, so, so really the beginning of it was just a decision to have a uh, conference about the message of the gospel of grace and youth ministry and that be the only focus of it. And, um, and so that was in 2010. And um, it was, uh, in all worldly measures, a, a, a cataclysmic failure. Uh, we hemorrhaged money. We lost so much money. Um, we uh, could not get anybody to come. We probably sent out 10,000 postcards to try to get people to come. 
got to a point where we said, um, if we can't get 30 people to come, we're just going to cancel the whole thing. We already canceled a number of speakers just for budgetary purposes. And so 31 people came. Um, 31. It was in this room. And it was like we like spaced out the chairs as much as we could so it didn't look so awkwardly empty. And we had like some sponsors and we had we put their tables all in here just so it didn't feel so empty and cavernous. But anyhow, so we had that conference in August of 2010. And, um, and so people who came to the conference though, were like so fired up about it. And I, didn't, I, I, that was kind of, I, was, I was glad to hear that. I didn't really understand why. But they were like, this conference is like exactly what youth ministry needs. And they started talking about this crisis and the you know, spiritual lives of, of young people and these studies and these books and these scholars and this huge issue. I had no idea at all what they were talking about and um, came to find out that there was a kind of something big happening and what was happening in this little, very, very little, um, very expensive conference um, addressed a bigger problem. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's a, that's a tremendous answer. Uh, to you, Cameron, to the rest. It's funny as you uh, I've thought about this um, uh, recently. As you as you read through the Bible, it's hard to find a success. Um, if you look at all the people that God calls into a service, um, I, I'm just I'm not finding any rock stars. Um, so. <laughs> Most good ministry seems to start in failure. <laughs> there's, there's a lot be, of it. There's a we great in it. biblical precedent. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, uh, well, we, we'll do another class, and I'll mention, uh, I'll begin to unpack some of my failures um, in, a, in another round. But let me ask you, I mean, do you think one of the challenges in particular uh, in youth ministry is moralism, or what are some of the challenges you think that that youth ministry faces. Yeah, okay, so that's a good question. So there, you know, that, that kind of segues nicely into the bigger problem that was going on in the church. So basically around the turn of the century, um, churches started to ask the question, you know, are, are youth ministries effective? Like, are our churches effective at forming kids who have lasting faith in Christ? Because uh, ministry to, like, children and youth, as we think about it today, is actually pretty novel in the American church, really get started in the uh, around the 1950s is where you start to see some movements and then there start to be kind of organized ministries to young people in churches. But um, so anyhow, there, there were tons of money was being spent, tons of resources dumped into youth ministry. And um, uh, hey, Meg, would you mind closing those doors back in the kitchen? Thanks so much. Um, so anyhow, and so they asked, is this effective? Like we're spending all this money is it having any impact? And what they found is the answer unequivocally was no. Um, uh, basically, they found that uh, about 70% of kids who were growing up in the American church were disaffiliating from Christianity by when they after they had finished high school and gone into the real world. And um, one one scholar at Princeton even argued that you could you could say that the church was actually repelling kids from Christianity. Uh, because some, they, they, in some denominational situations, they were finding that kids who grew up in that denomination were less likely to be a church-attending Christian as an adult than a person who grew up unchurched in the general population was to be evangelized and become a church-attending Christian that way. And so, so the first round of research, they, they found that, hey, there, there is this uh, lack of efficacy with regard to forming kids who have a sustainable faith. 
Um, the second uh, round of research then was why. They looked at like why is it that kids are not sticking? Excuse me. And so they found three primary factors. Um, one was uh, kids were being segregated from the life of the church. So they were growing up in nursery, children's chapel, youth worship, youth group, and they were not in worship or in service or in relationships being integrated into the broader church. So when they went out to the real world, there was a social barrier where they just, you know, they didn't feel comfortable going, going to a church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Second factor they found is that churches were doing nothing to educate and equip um, parents on how to spiritually invest in their kids. There was kind of like this outsourced Little League mentality where um, parents would, parents were like, okay, Little League's got my kids for athletics, the school has my kid for academics, and the church has got it for spiritual formation, and the church was facilitating that. Like, hey, we'll take it from here. Um, so that was the second factor. The biggest factor by far was the theological content of what kids were getting growing up in the church. Um, they found that the, the biggest study is called the National Study on Youth and Religion, and it's done by uh, uh, Christian Smith and Melinda Lundquist. And they, they uh, talked about this last week in my sermon. They talked about this term moralistic therapeutic deism to kind of capture or encapsulate the overall belief system of church-going Christian kids. And so basically what kids understood Christianity to be was moralistic, first, a set of rules, just rules to follow, behaviors to take on. Second, therapeutic, they, they thought Christianity was primarily about um, bolstering self-esteem and feeling good. And then their view, and then deistic, their view of God is that God is distant and uninvolved, um, except in the case of an emergency, God would function kind of like 911. If you had a problem, he would come, but otherwise, you and God would live a separate life. And so, um, and so, you know, it kind of makes what you see there is that kids were um, what they were learning was antithetical to basic biblical Christianity. Um, and it makes sense because I, I mean, for some of you, give me some head nods and hear this. Like my experience generally growing up with youth ministry was, yeah, come on down, you play a bunch of games, um, you get a talk that was generally pretty guilt-based, focused on not having premarital sex, not drinking, not smoking, don't date, don't, don't drink, don't chew, don't date girls that do. And um, <laughs> that's the, that was the basic theology. And, um, and then, you know, you play some music that didn't have a whole lot of Christian substance, but that would motivate you to be good for a week. Yeah. And so basically, all the, the folk, basically the mindset was, kids are dangerous, they make bad decisions, let's do whatever we can to get them in the doors, keep them safe, and prevent them from getting somebody pregnant before they graduate. Um, and so, I was saying that tongue-in-cheek, but in reality, you know, there was not any thinking about, okay, we have to form like a foundation in this child, we, we need to think about their faith when they're 18 and 28 and 38 48, we just need to basically get them in here, entertain them, and, and then, you know, encourage them to not make bad choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so anyhow, so that, leaving that back to Rooted, um, what we, what we, the kind of micro story of the starting of the ministry here, um, that little conference integrates with that bigger story because we started to realize that the, we had a number of realizations. One was that most youth pastors are not trained in their local church. Mm -hmm. They usually are, um, are hired. The senior pastor is super busy and generally doesn't have any idea what to tell them to do anyhow. And so they, um, they're just like, here are the keys to the bus and, you know, like, go get them. So the second realization is that, and so as a result of that, most youth pastors rely on books, blogs, conferences, podcasts, YouTube videos 
in order to develop their philosophy of ministry. Second realization is that the um, existing trade, for that reason, the existing trade organizations um, have massive influence mm-hmm. over how churches minister to young people because that's who youth pastors rely on for their practice and philosophy of ministry. And the, um, not to throw shade, um, but those organizations don't really focus on the Bible, on the gospel, on Jesus. It's all about leadership development and methodology and tactics of like, how do you recruit students? How do you get volunteers? Just things of that nature. It's not like, how do you teach the Bible? How do you share the gospel with a kid? How do you disciple a kid? How do you partner with parents to help them spiritually engage the kids? So, so anyhow, so that was the second realization. The third realization we realized is like what we were promoting with Rooted was kind of the antidote to moralistic therapeutic deism. Because we were talking about, um, we were talking about, uh, you know, the gospel, <laughs> which says that it's first about what Jesus has done and what we do is in response to the, gra- the grace of God through Christ. And second, like, your life is not just about your self-esteem. Um, your life is about the glory of God and the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like, we don't worship a deistic God. Like, the God of the Bible mm-hmm. is sovereign. He dwells in us. He walks with us in everything in our life. And so that kind of, that's where, you know, from the first conference, rooted as like a, a movement, kind of took off with the integration of those two narratives. That's, I mean, that tremendous. I mean, no surprise, uh, the deep need and the hunger, uh, no surprise that it, that it took off um, from 31. Uh, there, was, there was nowhere else to go. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, that's right. Well, let me ask you, though, so, um, I mean, good heavens, what a, what a need and what a great ministry that, that Rooted has. How does it... How does it filter in and inform? I mean, what you've just laid out is is so clear about the about the need and the response. How does it filter down into the children, youth, and families ministry here at the Advent? Sure, yeah, yeah. So, you know, when we started Rooted, I, was, you know, I inherited a ministry that was really well-grounded in the gospel. Like, Gil Cracky was hired in 92 to be our, um, like, our first full-time youth director. Mm-hmm. By the way, we've had, like, two youth directors since 92. So, way to go, Advent, for sustaining, for, for yes. treating us really, really well in the church, yeah. for supporting us in every way, and, um, yeah, but uh, I was going to say, so I inherited a church, I mean, a, a youth ministry that was very grounded in the gospel of grace, very grounded in the Bible, very focused on discipleship, um, and so with Rooted, I, I, um, I, a lot of this stuff I just didn't know about in terms of the partnering with parents, the, the intergenerational stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I would say that as a product of what I've learned and what our staff members have learned from the ministry and from the philosophy of ministry, what we do with parents has become a lot more developed over the last 10 years mm-hmm. and trying to do everything we can to um, just to encourage parents and give just very basic, practical, concrete things you can do to spiritually invest in our kids. And then two, we've made a real effort to try to integrate kids into the life of the church. It's a so, um, in terms of like something very practical you can do to promote like long-term church attendance for a child, um, for them to be an acolyte, for them to help with children's Sunday school, um, for them to you know uh, we have kids who uh, who teach you know youth Bible studies and so on and so forth. We 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 the more that kids can do like that, the better. Even if they're doing it to get out of worship, um, they found yeah. Especially it's interesting. There was a study about. Teenagers who teach children Sunday school have an extraordinarily high rate of church attendance as adults, mm-hmm. um, even if their motive was to get out of the worship service. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I, we want them to go to the worship service, 
Um, and I would just say that. <laughs> so the work of grace might be effective. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyhow, so um, so I would say those are two primary areas that we've grown. But I would also say that, like, when it comes to like gospel centrality, some of that research they found that the number one indicator of whether a child would be a church attending um, uh, Christian as an adult is their clarity on the gospel. Um, when asked to define the gospel, if a child defines it in terms of grace, it's actually a very high likelihood they'll be a church-attending Christian. And if they ask, they're asked what the gospel is and it has to do with being a good person, it's like very, very, very low likelihood. And so that's part of the gospel catechism that we you know, do at Sunday school every week and that we um, you know, encourage parents to do with their kids when they drop them off for school or put them down for bed. Um, that, uh, that is kind of a response to some of some of the research we learned about kids needing to be able to articulate the gospel and the message of Christianity in terms of grace. So those are some of the ways, those are some of the ways that um, being a part of the ministry, learning, be, you know, not just, uh, I'm not just a president, I'm the client. You're a um, yeah, exactly, yeah, you're right. Consumer. Just like the hair club for men, the hair club for yeah. men, right. Anyhow, but yeah, that's some ways that it's really benefited and influenced our ministry here. Well, I know I've been incredibly, um, fortunate so I came a year after you because uh, you were 2005 right. is that right that's right we were the yeah you were 2006 right? Two th- yeah 2006 so it was, year. yeah just so incredibly <laughs> grateful um, that, that my kids have been able to grow up um, and experience this is something that I give profound and personal thanks for um, but so after the initial start um, tell me how it grew how it evolved i mean we hear about the tremendous ways in which it's flowed into the advent ministry but yeah how did it how did it grow how did it evolve sure yeah so in terms of like the history of the ministry we kind of charted it with like 2010 to 2013 was like our startup phase mm-hmm. so we you know, formed a steering committee it's all volunteer and then we formed a steering committee we developed a philosophy of ministry like our five pillars of gospel centrality theological depth through biblical teaching partner with parents intergenerational integration relational discipleship and then we identified like how are we going to promote this philosophy of ministry and so we identified conferences communications connections um, as like the media through which we would promote this philosophy of ministry um, and uh, and then we also identified our audience that our audience would be people who have spiritual influence over kids so youth pastors family pastors christian school teachers uh, parents so and so forth and so from there, you know, rooted kind of in that, for that first three years, kind of got proof of concept. We had, three con- we had three conferences. We started a pitiful blog spot blog. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, the blog was good, but the, 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 gra- the graphics and technology was pitiful. And so then in 2000, it had grown to a point where we couldn't function as a, um, just as a volunteer-based organization. So rooted was uh, incorporated as a 501c3 in 2014, and we had a startup board that was all Advent people, um, and we raised a little bit of money, and we uh, hired one 10-hour-a-week employee. And so that was kind of, we call it the foundation phase, where we just basically kind of got a little bit of an infrastructure for growth. And then from 2016 to 2020, that's what we call like our growth phase. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, we had so much, enough clarity and we had enough of a foundation that we could really grow. And that's where the organization, the ministry just grew by leaps and bounds um so like our blog went from like about five writers publishing an article a week and about a thousand readers to the blog at its peak published eight articles a week and we have over 120 writers across the english-speaking world you know, in the united states and the uk and australia canada 
And um, our readership, like this year, will be over 300,000. Mm-hmm. We're the most prolific producer of online youth ministry mm-hmm. content in the world, and we're the fourth most trafficked youth ministry blog in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's an example of, of just Great. huge growth. The, you know, we published a book called Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry, mm-hmm. and that led to our, we'll talk about this in a second, but to our publishing um, publishing division. It sounds very sophisticated. Um, but yeah, yeah, publishing division of one person right there. Um, and uh, But anyhow, our, that book is, is now one of the two or three top-selling youth ministry books of all times. And um, our conference, we went all around the country. We went from you know, Birmingham to Atlanta to New York, Chicago, San Diego, San Diego, um, Dallas, and Nashville. We started re- regional groups that um, Mary Beth Cunningham used to work for us. She's over that now. She's in Chattanooga. And um, we have about 37 of those groups around North America. And then we, uh, we started a podcast. And now we have four podcast channels, uh, two for parents, two for youth pastors. And then, uh, then we created Rude Reservoir, which is an online resource center that has online video training and, um, and Bible-based curriculum. Here we have 16 books of the Bible. Uh, anyhow, so, so that's, that's, that's our most recent thing. So. By the end of that, the organization is, um, and then employees, I think we, we have 14 employees, I think, as of today. So, um, so the organization grew a lot. Mm. And uh, it's not the largest or the most influential, but it's the most comprehensive youth ministry organization in the world now based on the number of offerings that we have. So yeah, I just uh, I just got heartburn and almost had a panic attack just going through all of that right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, as a way to ease your heartburn, uh, yeah. Charlotte Getz, would you please uh, come forward and to talk some about what uh, what you're up to now, Cameron and Charlotte? What is Rooted Ministry working on now? I'm nervous about this chair in my dress, yeah. but <laughs> go for it. However, stand up a little grand. Yeah, but, um, well, y'all, I apologize for my mask face right now. Y'all had your mask off for a while. Um, so, like Craig said, we have a publishing division right now, and you're looking at it. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things we realize with all of this is that I think one of the main questions we get from youth ministers, from parents, are what are books that my kid can be reading? And to be honest, we don't recommend any actual teenage books. We recommend, like, the Paul David Tripp, New Morning Mercies, or the Mockingbird Devotional. Um, there just aren't many gospel-centered research resources out there for teenagers. So we thought, well, let's make one. Um, and so that is what we've done with, I brought props, and I brought too many nice. of them. But um, <laughs> Jesus I Wish I Knew in High School, which is at the bookstore, by the way. Uh, so y'all go get it. The Jesus I Wish I Knew in High School, it's a compilation um, of chapters, essays from 30 different authors. And we've got, you know, y'all will know the names of these people. We have Scott Sauls, Jen Pollock Michelle, David Zoll, um, Cameron and I are in it. Who else missing? That's exciting. Sandra McCracken. Um, so, and then lots of people who you've never heard of who have incredible stories. And the, within each of these chapters, the authors are telling a story from their own teenage years and then reflecting on how if they'd known Jesus and the gospel of grace then, like they know him now, um, their lives would have been freer and um, more grace-filled and more joyful. Um, and it is incredible. And I think one of the things we've heard, so let me, let me stop there. Kids can use this as a devotional. They're short chapters. And that's really cool. They can go through it with a parent. You can go through it with your kid. 
um, or they could go through it with a youth minister. There's all kinds of ways this book can be used. But I think also for those of y'all sitting in this room, I, I think I speak for Cameron when I say just editing this book as an adult and reading mm-hmm. through these stories was unbelievably edifying. So I encourage y'all to read it yeah. um, because it's really encouraging. We have one of our dear friends um, works for the church in Iran, and he's you know he's always telling us these like ridiculous, amazing stories of how the Lord is working in the church there. And he texted us and just saying like you know I'm I'm hearing this all the time um, in the Persian church. But to read these stories of how the Lord is active in the American church, which feels so rocky right now, and to mm. see how he's working in the lives of teenagers is just mm. incredible. So that's the Jesus I wish I knew in high school. And so yeah. you've got some others here. Uh, uh, yes. Okay. So th- this is a project. I'm just going to answer the next question that was on yeah. your list to ask me. But yeah. um, this yeah. is yeah. One Exactly. <laughs> it seemed like the way I really did that was not good. Was good. <laughs> so what's next? Um, we're working with a different publisher. Not We loved New Growth Press. We'll, we'll work with them again. Um, but we're working with a different publisher on our next project. They, this is PNR Publishing. And, and I encourage you all to look at these. They have a series for adults. These are 31-day devotionals that are more um, topically sort of centered. But really, it's a way in to, you know, the topic is like a way in to talk about the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really incredible. About, like, I've been working through these just for myself. And they contacted us wanting to pull out a series of these same books for teenagers. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're starting to work on. And it is so exciting and incredible. And it's basically like a series that can go on and on until forever, as long as there are topics that exist. So some of the ones we're starting out with are just like the gospel for like a ninth grader. You know, somebody who's just coming into the you know youth ministry sphere. Um, we're working on one about stress and anxiety. Who can't relate to that? Um, we're working on one that's sort of like honor shames sort of social media base, like the honor shame culture with teenagers is centered around social media. And then one just about discernment and decision making. So that, this is, these are ones from the adult series and they're really cool. I think they're, it's called 31 day devotionals for life. So y'all should check those out. They have a bunch of them. They sold like over a hundred thousand copies all over the world. It's, it's incredible. So that's what we're. That's our next project. That hopefully we'll release a first. We'll sort of release those in batches, like two or three or five at a time. And that first batch hopefully will come out next fall. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So um, this is kind of one of those. Uh, this is one of those for for both of you. How have um, folks from the Advent over the years helped? Uh, how they participated in the growth and development of Rooted? How they supported it? How do they? support that ministry going forward yeah we've um we've had just a number of people who have just lended us their gifts and their talents in ways that have been remarkably helpful um we've had people who write for the blog um we have a lot of adventers who write for the blog we have uh people who participate in the book rebecca mm-hmm. and lucy kate are both in that book mm-hmm. and then also you know we have had a lot of lawyers help us um, yeah, being for real, um, we did. We had uh, you know different different like sticky intellectual property matters to handle, and we've had a number of lawyers who have uh, I mean blessed. I'll be shining Mike Dennison and D. Franklin's shoes for the first hundred years of heaven because of all the all the pro bono work they did for Rooted. But um, but yeah, and, and uh, people who've been on boards or committees, uh, strategy committees, and things of that nature. And just giving us advice because we're—I mean, all the people who work for Rooted—we're 
we we know how to make resources for parents and for youth pastors, but unlike the business and the legal and the financial side, we don't, we don't none of us really know anything about that. Except our financial secretary, she's a she has a CPA. But um, <laughs> but anyhow, but yeah. So and this encouragement, we've had people to point us to different foundations that have been great sources of. Um, of funding for different initiatives and so yeah those are some of the ways we always get we have a good like swath of adventures at the conference too yeah that's right with the support uh, that way and that's true hope y'all will come out on this week yeah. too it's going to be awesome I know it's a long weekend a lot of people are in town but I'm so excited it's going to be super it's gonna be so we have um, Sandra McCracken right yeah she's leading worship and she's yeah. going to do a conference on Saturday night and, and Sandra we really are on first day basis. I can, that's maybe the only person I can say that about. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. And she has been super supportive of our ministry. And she has a new book out too this week. Oh, yeah. It looks awesome. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's, that's tremendous. And so, yeah, Charlotte Whipple and, and Alex, uh, awesome to have you as well. And I'm Ford and Margot. Uh, we're glad we're able to fly y'all in uh, from over the mountain uh, to be here for this uh, this gathering this morning uh, from our publishing department. Uh, so here's the question, Cameron. Division, division, division. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. Um, so, so here's the big question. What's what's the big dream for sure. Luda going forward? Right. Okay. So, you know, on one hand, um, you know, we're just kind of constantly thinking about how is it that we help the parent or the everyday youth pastor or family pastor to be um, to be you know to be more effective and to feel like encouraged and equipped and supported in uh, spiritually engaging kids you know putting the gospel of grace in front of kids teaching kids the bible um, mentoring them and helping them in their relationship with christ and so right now just kind of three big picture things we have one is emphasis on cross-cultural ministry um, rooted has gotten really strong reception in the asian american church which is a huge part of the, of the church in the United States when you get outside the South. And so um, we, we have like a, a pre-conference for Asian American youth pastors, and we have a lot of content, but we've actually, uh, 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 Advent, I mean, sorry, we got a grant from the Advent to hire a cross-cultural ministry director who, um, who works very part-time for us, but is doing a number of things to specifically adapt our resources and make specific resources for the Asian American church. So um, cross-cultural engagement is a big emphasis. Another big thing that we're working on right now is called, it's it's basically um, video-based Bible studies for uh, parents. And so what we mean by that, they they would be used in small groups or in Sunday schools or just by individual parents in the church, but a church would subscribe to this product and they would have these classes where it has video instruction from like authorities. And then there would be inductive Bible studies that go with each video. And the courses may be about, um, maybe about, uh, goodness, we were in this meeting and I'm going blank on, we've been in like three meetings on this. The subject matter? or The, the subject family? matter, the subject matter. There's, you know, it's like. Um, kids and anxiety, race, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. kids and pornography, helping kids like discern how to make a college decision. How does grace, grace, you know, impact? Grace, yeah. yeah, parenting and grace, parenting in the gospel. Incorporating. How do you, yeah, how do you, how do you, um, how to cultivate a kingdom culture and a family? And so, basically, most churches cannot afford to have a family ministry in their church, and yet they find that parents are the highest point of impact in the child's spiritual life. And so, with that being said, that's the point of highest impact. That's the point of greatest need is to equip parents, and yet 
hardly any churches have the resources to do that. So this would basically, this product would enable small churches, medium-sized churches, to have like a virtual family ministry, mm-hmm. in a sense, where the head pastor or the youth pastor could kind of use these courses in order to have equipping tools for Sunday school small groups and individual parents. And so, so those are, you know, equipping parents and cross-cultural ministries are two huge horizons for us. And then, you know, the big dream for us is, um, here comes the heartburn again, no, um, is we, our KPI, like our, our biggest key performance indicator is we call highly engaged churches. And so basically we have this overly, not overly, but very complicated statistic <laughs> that looks at blog engagement, book sales, conference attendance, regional group attendance, read reservoir subscriptions, to try to get a sense of how many churches are highly engaged in what we're doing. Such that we feel like what's happening in that church is the children are receiving grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated discipleship. That's our vision. Our vision is that every child will receive grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated discipleship. Like for me, normal experience was entertainment, rules, emotions. We want kids of the next generation to say, well, my normal experience is I went to youth group and we I know I was loved and I had friends and I was taught the Bible and I heard about the grace of Jesus every week and there were it was the whole church, my parents, the youth ministry, the church as a whole, were all investing in me as a team. And so that's the vision that we have. And so with this, you know, highly engaged church statistic, we wanna we, we look at how how many churches are so engaged with Rudy that we feel confident that they are um, they <coughs> providing gospel centered discipleship in that church for kids. And so um, the key number for us is 31,250. Uh, the reason for that is that would be 25% of American churches that have a presence of children in them. Um, and in the laws of diffusion of innovation uh, and technology, basically that's the tipping point. So that's a tipping point. The laws of diffusion of innovation look at adoption of new, of innovative things, adoption of new technology. What percentage of people have to buy an iPhone or a smartphone until that becomes the norm in the culture. Well, in the religious space, like it's the number is 25%. How many churches have to have a band before that hits a tipping point and that becomes the norm? Well, so sadly, gospel-centered youth ministry is an innovation. Um, it's just not very common. I think that's part of why we had so little engagement 10 years ago, is there just were so few churches that were thinking in terms of, you know, grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-based uh, ministries. And so... Our goal is to um, to get to 31,750, because that would be 25% of American churches. I feel like today we have about 12,000 highly engaged churches. And so the, the hope is to increase by about 1,800 a year. Well, don't you just love, don't you just love uh, Cameron when he gets in quantitative? No, 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 listen, today. listen, that, you, you had me at KPI. No. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah, can't help myself, can't help myself. Anyhow, the goal is to get, the big dream is to get to 31,250 because we think that that would, that would be a tipping point to where the norm in churches for the next generation would be grace, grace, gospel-centered youth ministry. So that's the big dream. Charlotte, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, our minds think a little differently. Right? Um, <laughs> um, the thing that comes to mind for me is we are unbelievably resourced at the Advent. First off, like financially, but second off, like with Cameron and his particular gifting, and that we have this 
um, children and family ministries. And like what, and I think what we want to do at Root is, you know, 90% of the churches in America cannot have even a youth minister. Like yeah. they're run all volunteer right. or by parents, or they don't even have a youth ministry altogether, much less like this very comprehensive, um, youth and children's ministry. And it, it rooted, we're just trying to equip the Joe Schmo who can, who like can't even pay a hundred dollars to go to a conference, much less like get a degree or everything else that, yeah. you know, other ways that they might understand how to preach the gospel. So yeah. it's such a cool position. I mean, it, 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 it's really mission work, you know, like yeah. the, the field is, the mm-hmm. harvest is ripe, you know, there, there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a cool, yeah, and to, to your point there, we kind of have a mantra, help the fix. I mean, help the folks. we have the big dream and all that, but at the end of the day, we just want to help as many people as possible. Yeah. And to your, you know, to your point there, we, there's, this, uh, there's this group that comes from rural South Dakota to the conference every year, and it's a man who's a state trooper and his wife, and like they both grew up in very legalistic situations and really never heard the gospel, and then they heard it as adults. And so now, as volunteers, I mean, they are working, they work... They work a lot in their youth ministry, but it's just purely volunteer-based. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a, a far more normal situation than a situation like this. Mm-hmm. And so anything that we can do to like equip, bless, help, encourage people in that situation, that's, that's kind of really mm-hmm. where our passion and heart is. Um, please join me in giving thanks. Um, good heavens. How incredibly, incredibly fortunate are we? Um, to have Cameron Charlotte uh, rooted ministry, and um, I would love to continue. It's it's time for our eleven o'clock. Um, yeah, sure so, yeah, so I'll, so I pray as we go forth. But um, invite your, I mean, good heavens! I mean, in, in the most amazing way, so much to take in. We're incredibly um, blessed and fortunate. And I love also um, what you share the desire to export that to be yeah. able to be yeah. missionaries to be sending to make an impact uh yes certainly within this community advent birmingham but but beyond as well and so kind of invite y'all that that all this is is tremendous all this is intriguing but but praying about thinking ways that we can help y'all and help rooted ministry to export that um to other places that have such a deep and desperate need for it and check out the rooted table in Cleanwood Commons. all right well uh <laughs> let us let us pray um, Heavenly Father, you seek us uh, like a shepherd in the gift of Jesus, your Son, and you promise to be ever with us and go before us. Um, for rooted ministry, we give you thanks um, for the way in which you have formed them from the very beginning, the way that you were with them and going before them. I, I pray that you would continue that good and glorious work. And for the Advent, we give you thanks for its um, impact on us and our partnership in the gospel. Direct and guide all of us, most gracious God, that we might... Um, be attuned to your voice and your gracious leading, and that this word of hope and life and salvation um, would, yes, be experienced here, but we would find the ways and means um, by which it would go forward to a world in need of it. This we ask, this we offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.